Hey, it's Tara. Thanks for listening, and be sure to stay tuned in till the end of the episode for even more high-fidelity game picks from our friends of the Record Store Society and listeners like yourself. Ah, oh, so Tara, we've made it to December. Yes. Can you believe it? Finally. Uh, finally, I mean, I feel like it flew by. Yeah, but it's, a lot has been happening, and like now we're coasting into the holidays, and we can get out our cozy sweaters and hang up our lights and, you know, make some hot chocolate and all that jazz. Do you like the holidays? Yeah. Yes. I actually just went to the Botanical Gardens last night. And it was very cold, and the lights were beautiful, but there were too many oh, people yeah. there for me. Oh, were there? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got to wait for, like, an, an off-peak time of day because the lights are really, really pretty there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hi. How are you? Welcome. I'm Tara. I'm Natalie. Let us know if you need anything. We'll be behind the counter. Yeah, it was fun, and I'm ready for the holidays, but the weather has been gross and dreary. I know it's it's kind of a drag. Do you kind of do you get the seasonal sads like lots of folks? I don't really. I think I turn into more of a homebody. I don't yeah. want to leave my house like at all when it's like this. So I can be kind of a downer in that sense. Like, oh, I don't really want to go. Thanks for the invite, though. No, oh, you sound like me. <laughs> That's my normal state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely am. Uh, I love I love the winter because I'm a weirdo. I'm a hermit weirdo and I love the cold weather and I like nesting and staying inside and being warm and cozy. But I don't know if it's just like the air pressure or like the, the short days, but I do feel like a bit down and I get real headachey and I don't know, it does something to oh. my body. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. Do you listen to music that is more soothing or kind of depressing, sad music for winter? No, no, that's that's the wrong move. I try to counteract it with happy things, happy vibes. That's good. That's good. Oh, look who it is! Ah, just in time. It's <laughs> therapy, Jeff. What's Hi. up? Hey, is it okay if I bring my dog into the store? He's with me today. He'll probably be like very quiet, but there's a possibility that if he gets excited, he might bark at somebody. I'll tell him to quiet down <laughs> if that happens. I love it. Yeah, we're dog-friendly here for sure. We absolutely are. Okay, good. Yeah, he gets kind of annoyed when I'm looking at records and not paying attention to him. So we're going to do our best over here. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. He wants to give his input. Uh, yeah. he, he does, yeah. And it's pretty annoying sometimes because he has very <laughs> bad taste in music. <laughs> Jeff Gunther is Therapy Jeff online, TikTok, Instagram, Patreon, everywhere. And you are always talking about relationships, attachment styles, family stuff. You are my internet therapist. So <laughs> I appreciate everything you do. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm happy that you <laughs> get a lot out of my content. It seems like a lot of people do. And I've turned into many people's internet therapist. Uh, and I just want to warn everybody that like TikTok or Instagram is not therapy. However, it can be very therapeutic. So I get it. 
<laughs> That's an important distinction. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Very, very true. Natalie and I were just talking about kind of how we can get down in the funk a little bit during the holidays. And just especially in Atlanta lately, it's been really dark and dreary and cold and rainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that in the Pacific Northwest in Portland. Um, oh, yeah. Where I typically live, but I decided to stop by the record store. (laughs) I'm not in Portland at the moment. I'm with you two. But yeah, the dreariness can like really, the cloudiness, it can really like make folks pretty sad and pretty bummed. And it's even worse sometimes if you feel alone and lonely. So a lot of times if you don't have like family to connect with or you don't have a partner to be with, it can be a real bummer. Yeah, that's true. We are also talking about, you know, if you get kind of down in the dumps around the holiday season and because of the winter season, maybe listening to certain wintry songs might feel good, but it also might kind of just make you even more down in the dumps. Yeah, you know, and I sort of like encourage people to just like go for it. If you want to feel even more down in the dumps, then that's you experiencing your emotions, really leaning into it. Maybe you're a little emo. Maybe you're being kind of dramatic about it, but I love that for you. Like process your emotions (laughs) in any way that you want. Or if you want to listen to like upbeat music, and try to feel better and create better vibes, then I support that as well. Yeah, true. Or Mm -hmm. a podcast. (laughs) Exactly. To help with those emotions that you're dealing with. And you have a podcast, and I've heard you on other podcasts too. I've heard you on Swoon. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. um, Which is a good one. Mm -hmm. But your podcast is called This Changes Everything. Yeah. So me and my my co-host, Sarah. Sarah Rice actually used to be, she's well known as like an MTV reality star. (laughs) What? No way. Did you ever watch that show, The Challenge? It used to be like Real World versus Road Rules Challenge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I Uh remember that. Well, it's on its like 37th season. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. It's still going? Oh, it is still very much going. And she was on the wow. on that reality show for like 10 seasons in a row. But now she's a therapist. Um, oh. Yeah. So it's two therapists, me and her, talking about therapy stuff. And a lot of times about like relationship advice and things like that. Yeah. So it's a good time. I have listened to it. It's great. Oh, thank um, you. But I did not know that she was on The Challenge. That's so cool. It is really cool. And she actually like specializes in treating reality show stars. Um, which is just like, as you can, as you two can probably imagine, like that can really mess with your psyche. Um, oh, for and, sure. and like the edits that happen on the show and how you're like, you know, shown to the world and the, and the strong feelings that everybody has about you can like really mess with you. So she has like this real insider view of what that's like. And she's super helpful to everybody that's in that world. Well, good for her. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's very niche to help those folks. But I actually do have a friend who was on the real world New Orleans. Oh, really? Which friend? So the real world New Orleans is um, Danny Roberts. He was on that one. That was, do you I know who Danny. I'm talking about? I love Danny. I love Danny. Yes. Such a sweetie. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, is from Georgia originally. Oh. And I actually used to work with him. But mm. I'd. When I found out that I was working with Danny Roberts, of all people, I was like, oh my gosh, because I used to watch that show in the 90s. And it was a huge deal, especially his role in coming out and dating someone in the military during the Don't Ask, Don't Tell Mm -hmm. era. Mm -hmm. So, Oh my God, that was such a big deal. That was, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Danny and I feel so excited that you're connected to him. (laughs) 
<laughs> me too. It's giving me chills just thinking about it. Yeah. But I also know another thing about you is that you have a massive collection of 90s band tees. That is true. I do have a big collection of 90s alternative band tees. I can't get enough of them. And today I'm actually wearing one just for you two. Can you see? <gasps> Oh my gosh, Tower nice. Records, our Tower competitor. Records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is technically your competitor, but it's also just sort of like I respect record stores and that's no, why I'm yeah. wearing this shirt. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I love it. That's great. How many shirts do you have? Or 90s? Oh God. I don't know. Maybe like 40 or 50 or something. Um yeah, lots of them. So I'm, I'm constantly collecting them. If anybody wants to send me a 90s band tee, I'm a men's small. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will take them all. Mm-hmm. Well, same. I'll take some of those as well, and especially the vintage ones. They are very expensive these days. Mm-hmm. So I'll be taking donations as well. <laughs> I prefer snacks if anyone wants to send me anything. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. That's so good. So anytime our friends come into the store, we invite them to play this game with us, High Fidelity Game, where we rank top five music, whatever. Mm-hmm. And since you speak on relationships often, mm-hmm. maybe we could do something in that realm, top five, 90s something relationships. I don't know. Got any ideas? Yeah. I mean, a lot of my content, even if I don't mean it to be about this, is about breakups. So a lot of my content is about like healthy relationships. And a lot of people take in that content and then they kind of like think about their own relationship. And oftentimes my videos cause breakups, but in like a good way, in a healthy way, and like it's time to move on kind of way and find somebody who's a better match. So I was thinking we can stick with the alternative 90s theme and focus on top five alternative 90s breakup songs. I love it. Perfect. Yes, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of people out there spending the holidays alone after a breakup, so we can uh, give them some sonic support. Well, that's the thing is that like I am one of those people, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I suffered a breakup recently, and I'm like in the holiday season now, feeling all my feelings. So this was like a very cathartic sort of like therapeutic experience to right. really think about my top five breakup songs because they because I'm playing them on repeat anyways. So yeah, I'm one of those wow. people that like really leans into the emotions and is totally totally emotional, like dramatic about it. Let's do it. Let's heal. Yeah, let's heal together. I'm ready for this journey. Shall we dive in? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll go first. Number five. And I think you've quoted this one in one of your videos before, actually. Okay. So I was going for unexpected in some ways, Mm -hmm. but I almost think this first one on my list It might be on your list too, Jeff, just because I know you've quoted it before in one of your videos and I've actually tried going back to find it and I can't, but maybe you'll know exactly which one it is when I tell you the song. (laughs) From 1996, the band is Not A Surf. The song is popular. Three important rules for breaking up. Don't put off breaking up when you know you want to. Prolonging the situation only makes it worse. Tell them honestly, simply, kindly, but firmly. Uh, that is one of my all-time favorite songs. It is not on my list, but it belongs okay. on it, yes. <laughs> it's their first single from their debut album called High Low from 1996. And it's basically sarcastic, spoken word format taken from this book called, a real book from 1964 called Penny's Guide to Teenage Charm and Popularity <laughs> by an actress named Gloria Winters. And I just think that that's brilliant that they found this book in 
and used it. But actually, it rings really true. I think I think all of these, they're, it's great advice, honestly. But I'm just going to quote the long section here that I think is really what we're talking about with this list. All right. Three important rules for breaking up. Don't put off breaking up when you know you want to. Prolonging the situation only makes it worse. Tell them honestly, simply, kindly, but firmly. Don't make a big production. Don't make up an elaborate story. This will help you avoid a big tear-drinking scene. If you want to date other people, say so. Be prepared for the boy to feel hurt and rejected. Even if you've gone together for only a short time and haven't been too serious, there's still a feeling of rejection. I'll stop there because that can keep going forever. (laughs) But I will say, honestly, he'll appreciate the kind of straightforward manner in which you've told him your decision. Unless he's a real jerk or a crybaby, you'll be friends. So that's the best advice you could give, honestly. Oh my God, it is. Yeah, and that I quoted, like a whole video is just me quoting what you just said. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah, so you're right. Somebody asked like, how should I break up with my person? And I was like, and I just like decided to quote that whole video. And the lead singer from Not A Surf, Matthew, saw that video. Because I think it was the band uh, Pom Pom Squad who like who covered that song and they saw the video and then they sent it to Matthew and then Matthew posted it on his Instagram stories or something and I died. And I was like, this is (laughs) this is exactly why I wanted to like try to become a star just to like connect (laughs) with Matthew from Not a Surf because Not a Surf is like my number one all time favorite band. They are amazing. Really? The number oh one all-time favorite band. Number one all-time favorite wow. band. I've seen them at least like 20 times. And unfortunately, they rarely sing this song live, but I've seen it maybe like three times. And whenever they do, it is amazing and the crowd goes crazy. Yeah. I think I read something where he said uh, something like, you know, if you do play it, some people will be mad. If you don't play it, other people right. will be mad. So we're kind of like no-win situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, it's so good, though. I love it's it. It's such a good song. Yeah. I love it. So Jeff, I'm curious since you're since you're a not a surf aficionado, mm-hmm. I have to be honest with you. Popular is the only song I'm familiar with from mm-hmm. Not a Surf. Yeah, where do I go from there? What would you recommend to you, really hook hook me? You go directly to their album called Let Go. Um, it came about it came out about 20 years ago now, and they like those all the songs on the Let Go album are just beautiful, amazing, so catchy, so incredibly hooky, and it's all about love and relationships. Um, so I would go directly to Let Go, and then I jump all the way to their most recent album that came out just two or so years ago, where they finally did another song that was spoken word, (laughs) a la the popular song. And yeah, and the spoken word song is like really great and and performed so well live. But yeah, the Let Go, they actually did, they like made, they got all their like best like band friends to cover all the Let Go songs. (laughs) So there's like another album with all like these other bands covering each of the songs. And it's, it's, it's a pretty... (laughs) Yeah, epic album. That's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. So, I haven't listened to that album yet, so I'm going to take your recommendation. And I, that's a really cool idea, like Natalie said, to, to have all your friends covering those songs too. Mm-hmm. And that song was produced by Rick Okasik, this popular song. Yeah. From the Cars. 
the whole the whole album was produced by him and it's funny because like there's what Rick did like he was there's kind of I didn't know that this is how you sort of like start recording an album but like they first put like the instrumental stuff down and then Rick asked Matthew to just sort of like go ahead and like sing the songs but don't like really like sing your best just like lay down the lyrics so we like we know where they are and Matthew did that and then Rick Ocasek was like that's it those are good like that's perfect like I don't want you to actually go ahead and like sing the lyrics like you think so like the lyrics are just like the first draft of Matthew just sort of like messing around and singing and that's exactly how like Rick Ocasek wanted it to sound Wow! so it's got a real rough cut sort of edgy vibe yeah Mm -hmm. it does that's that's awesome and if you don't know I mean obviously you know this but if you're a listener in the store and don't know this yet Rick Ocasek from the legendary 80s band The Cars also produced Weezer's debut album, the Blue Album, which is probably one of the most important albums of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's songs from that album on this list, too. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But man, yeah, that's a, that's a cool tidbit you had there to share. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you have that in your back pocket. So number four is The Sundays. Here's where the story ends. It's from their debut album, Reading, Writing, and Arithmetic, released in 1990. It sounds really sweet, but then the lyrics are kind of bittersweet, just thinking back on memories. One of the lines or verses is, it's that little souvenir of a terrible year, which makes my eyes feel sore. Oh, I never should have said the books that you read were all I loved you for. So I love this song. I love this album. I love the Sundays so much. Mm, yeah, so sweet. Those lyrics are so poignant. I need a Sunday's t-shirt. I have all their <laughs> albums. I need a Sunday's t-shirt. You do. Yeah, somebody Missing. needs to send you one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. All right. Next up, Ben Folds 5, Song for the Dumped from their album Whatever and Ever Amen in 1997. Fuck you too. Give me my money back. Give me my money back. So the drummer, Darren, Summer, who was the girlfriend, was classy enough to wait to the end of their relationship until after Darren paid for their dinner to break up with him. And it's really funny. I mean, I almost feel like I need to read the whole song because it's so funny. I won't read the entire thing, but I'll read some parts here. Um, So you wanted to take a break, slow it down some, and have some space. Well, fuck you too. Give me my money back, you bitch. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> and don't forget to give me my give me back my black t-shirt. Another part he says, "Wish I hadn't bought you dinner right before you dumped me on your front porch. Give me my money back, you bitch. <laughs> I want my money back." So yeah. This is now my favorite song too. I love it. <laughs> I love this song so much. I love this album. I need this on vinyl and it's not a thing really right now. It's mm-hmm. not in print. Yeah, I feel like we can all really relate with those lyrics though. Of <laughs> there's the sort of what's it called? Uh, there's the like when you invest in something and you feel like since you've invested in something, you're going to stick with it as long as you can because you've put energy yeah. into it, whether it's like financial investment or like energy into a relationship and then when it gets like taken away from you it's just like oh I wasted all this money diminishing returns yes yeah diminishing returns yeah exactly I do that a lot with video games (laughs) (laughs) oh how so well I'm like I paid for this I'm gonna 
play this bitch for at least 40 hours and get my money's worth, even though I don't like it. Yeah. And you can, you both can probably relate. There's that sort of like sunk cost or whatever, like back in the eighties and nineties, when you would go, you know, into a record store, oftentimes like you would only know one song, Right. And so you would buy an album based on one song, one good song, and you'd hope that there'd be more good songs, but there might not be. And then if you spend $17, which is a lot of money to a teenager in the 90s, you're going to listen to that record, that CD, in order to like find the good songs, in order to like really get into it. So it feels like you spent your money wisely, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then there's albums that just don't really have any better songs than the one you know from the radio. Uh, I know. (laughs) I would love to do a list like that. Yeah. Therapy Jeff, thank you for that correction. I'm totally wrong. It's not diminishing returns. That's that's a slightly different thing. It is the sunk cost fallacy. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's get our language right here, Natalie. Same vibe though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A list though on albums that you only knew one song from and were not great, the follow-up. Because I think we've talked before in the store about love at first listen, like where maybe you Mm. didn't even know any song, but as soon as you heard this album, you're like, oh, this is really good. Mm -hmm. Who are these people? Mm -hmm. You love it. But we've never in the store talked about those albums that are like, this is not great. Like, damn, why did I buy this? (laughs) Right. And kids these days, they they don't understand the pain. They can just click on a song on Spotify. They don't have to waste any money on a whole album. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Just like scan through all the tracks. But then, yeah, you never really give it a chance. Like we had to in when we were in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Next one is, I love this song so much. It's, oh, and this is my number two. Wow. We are flying through this. Liz Fair, Fuck and Run. Tensions and whatever happened to a boyfriend. The kind of guy who tries to win you over and whatever happened to a boyfriend. The kind of guy who makes love cause he's in it. <laughs> this is from her 1993 album Exile in Guyville. Yeah, I feel like the f- popular is like, these are rules for breaking up. This is how you should do it. I've done it. Now I've you, you know, you're kind of like, I made the right decision, right? Like maybe you're validating your breakup decision with the song popular. And then the Sundays, it's like kind of waxing nostalgic on memories, times you spent with this person that are never happening again, but you don't necessarily regret them. Ben Folds 5, Song for the Dumped is like, I hate you, you bitch, give me my stuff back. <laughs> Liz Fair is fucking run is like, uh... I got what I came for and now I'm out of here again and I don't really care. Like I'm playing the game too, maybe. Or maybe it's like an empowerment thing because in, in some ways this song, because the lyrics are very much like fucking run, but also she does say, I want a boyfriend in the song. So it's almost like kind of counterintuitive or hypocritical, the two things she's talking about, fucking and running, and then also wanting a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. If you're not- Well, it's it's hard to like hold those two almost opposing Feelings or emotions are like at at once inside of you at the same time. And I think this song does like a good job at playing with that or acknowledging that or something. Yeah. It's like she's critiquing men for getting away. Well, I think that's kind of the theme with Guyville, Exiling Guyville is like she's kind of critiquing social standards for men to get away with certain things, but, but also mad at herself for playing a part in them too. And sort of owns up to the same problem. For me, like, I can't necessarily relate to this idea of, like, the player, the fucking and running, Mm. the we won't slut shame at all, but that behavior. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
long-term relationship girl always. But I still relate to this like kind of idea. It's almost empowering in a way to think of it. Kind of like a rebound thing though, I guess. Yeah. There, I, I like, I feel like it can be really empowering. And it's also like, sometimes it's a part of healing where like you come out of a relationship and you're really sad, feeling helpless and powerless. And then this is kind of like a way to get your power back or to feel powerful or something. And it is it is also like, there's a gender thing where it feels like fucked up that like men can kind of like, quote unquote, like get away with this or that behavior is more okay for them or something. Yeah. Um, so it's also kind of like a commentary on that. Um, and so even if you're not like that, there's it sounds like there's like a part of you that kind of wishes a little bit maybe or like fantasizes maybe, yeah. or something. Uh, right. And and yeah, I think that's Seems like- fun. Yeah, I think that a lot of times like we can like listen to these songs and get into character or get into like the character that they're painting and it can feel like really empowering yeah. and uplifting, even if that's not reflective of your actual behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Very much like Holes song, Teenage Whore, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Miss World, I'm Miss World, you know, mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. her sass, the way she kind of sasses mm-hmm. and sounds powerful in a lot of ways in her songs like a badass but you're like I'm totally not that person but I dig it (laughs) I dig it and I'll like I'll play with that energy while I'm singing along to the song you know and maybe me me and all my friends and in the car while we're like singing together you know like we'll kind of like embody that energy and and it feels like really healing in the moment to do that so you don't have to actually do it but you can kind of like imagine doing it and it's really therapeutic actually thinking of therapy and music and music being therapeutic. I heard Dolly Parton one time say she's never had therapy before, but writing songs for her was like therapy. Dolly, you should give it a try. <laughs> I wonder if she really did get what she needed out of songwriting. Do you think a person could? I want to believe that she did and that people can. It's, I mean, you know, I guess you can kind of like, you're really being vulnerable on the page. Right. True. And so just expressing your emotions can be very therapeutic. And you might be like using it as like you're kind of like journaling, you know, where you're like having this very like intimate moment with yourself or with like the page. So there's probably like a lot that you can like work through on your own, but you might be missing sort of like analyzation or interpretation or reflection that somebody else can give you so that you can like feel supported by another person. But, um, I don't know. Maybe she felt really supported by the words on the page or it was kind of like a spiritual experience for her or something. Um, But also like making her emotions into like art, like being creative with it is just like a healing journey that you can go that you can go on. So, yeah, yeah, I want to believe it that it was, you know, really that was her therapy. That was super helpful. Yeah, those are good points. Mm -hmm. And now we are at my last song, my number one song on my 90s alternative breakup song list. And it's the most sad. And it's Jeff Buckley, Last Goodbye. This is our last goodbye. I hate to feel the love between us now. But it's over. Uh, This is from his 1995 album, Grace. It's the second single. And of course, we all know that he died soon after in 1997 but also his dad was tim buckley a folk singer famous folk singer 
who died also very young of a heroin overdose. So I don't know. I just feel like, right, we're not talking about death, but the whole idea of just last goodbye and saying goodbye to a loved one can be really sad and really hard. It is like mourning someone, especially if you were very close and maybe even lived with them. Mm. You see them every day and then all of a sudden you don't. It's like mourning a death almost. Well, honestly, like... If you're a client of mine, it's easier to like treat somebody who's grieving a death than it is somebody who's has like massive heartbreak. Um, Because there's like a finality. This isn't true all the time, but just sort of like in general, there's like a real finality of like, you're accepting this death, this person is gone. But when there's heartbreak, oh my God, like what happens afterwards? Are you going to ever see them again? Will you get back together? Are you going to be reminded of them? Will you like, there's just sort of like, it's really hard to get this closure and the finality is like hard to grasp. Heartbreak, oh God, and you're being rejected, you know, or or, yeah. or you're the one doing the rejecting. Like, it's just, it's so, there, there's so many emotions tied up in it. So, oh my God, heartbreak is just devastating. And then maybe you have their stuff still at your house. Yeah, like, Ugh, it's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Some lyrics from this song, oh, so sad. This is our last goodbye. I hate to feel the love between us die, but it's over. Just hear this and then I'll go. You gave me more to live for, more than you'll ever know. And deep. Mm-hmm. And honest. And honest. Well, that's it. That's my list. That's a good list. <laughs> brava, brava. <laughs> Thank you. We will be accepting all t-shirts and vinyl associated with all artists mentioned today, just for those of you in the store. <laughs> I also feel like I got some therapy from from just talking about those songs, <laughs> listening to Jeff oh, <laughs> talking good. about breakups. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I talk about breakups all day long, so I'm kind of obsessed. It's hard for me not to talk about it with from like a therapeutic lens. Right. I have a question for you, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So we'll have some people out there who are alone for the holidays. Maybe they're going through a breakup or they're just feeling the winter ickies, Mm -hmm. and maybe they're curious about therapy or wanting to talk to someone, but it it seems kind of like daunting to find the right person and and get into it. How would you advise a person get into therapy? Yeah. Well, I just so happened to create a therapist directory at therapyden.com. I might start there at therapyden, and there's like lots of different filters that people might resonate with more than like the typical one. So instead of like finding a therapist for like grief or depression or anxiety, you can also like filter for therapists based on like the type of, uh, you know, like you're a sexual outsider or sex positive or poly or open relationships or sort of like more progressive modern um, filters. But a part of like one of the reasons I built that site was to get it was to make it so that like therapists actually like showed like displayed their personality because there's so much about like like the healing part of therapy is like 80% of it is just like based on the relationship that you have with your therapist. And if you feel like you can trust them, if they feel emotionally safe, if you feel validated and reassured, if you're looking for a therapist, I want you to like ask that new therapist over email or on the phone or in the first like initial consult, any question that you have in order to feel comfortable like spilling your guts to them. So if you want to know about their life or if you want to know why they can competently treat you, 
then ask any question whatsoever. And a therapist most likely will probably answer a lot of those questions so you can feel like really safe and taken care of. I feel like a lot of people don't know that you can just like ask anything you want. So if you're a client and you're coming to me, you can ask me if I'm married, what my relationship status is, where I'm from, what do I do in my spare time, what my hobbies are. If I'm like, if you're a person of color and I'm just like a white dude, be like, can you competently treat me? Do you understand my culture? Am I going to have to like educate you about all this shit? And so like, if you can like ask all the questions you want, I will answer all of them. If there's anything that feels like inappropriate, I'll be like, oh, that's a little personal. (laughs) So let's like talk about why that's important too. Yada, yada, yada. But that's what I would recommend. Awesome. What a great resource. Yeah. That's great. No problem. Yeah. I've used it. Oh, good. It's very useful. So thank you for making that thing happen Mm -hmm. and not having to go through giant database like psychology today where it's not up to date. It's like very generic. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So very uncomfortable consultations. I've Mm. been there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, it's your turn to go over your list, Jeff. (laughs) Okay, we'll go over my list, but my I want to say up front, I was trying to make this as radio-friendly as I possibly could, and I think that it is very radio-friendly. Maybe one of the songs wasn't played on the radio. Four out of five of them, I think we'll all, we'll all know, and we'll all have feelings about these songs. And also, I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, in Santa Monica, and I grew up listening to K-Rock, the alternative radio station down there. K-Rock and also MTV like told me what to like. (laughs) And I was Mm -hmm. just like, this is what I like, I guess. So, and I I never really questioned it. So I don't actually have that many deep cuts because I was so on trend with like the alternative rock that I was being told to enjoy. So. That's okay. That's totally allowed. We love all music here. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. I don't think that you'll judge me, but maybe some of the listeners in the store will be like, oh my God, like (laughs) this was very played out and I don't even care. These aren't like guilty pleasures. These are just pleasures to me. Also, no one should ever feel guilty for their pleasure. Exactly. That's such a weird thing, right? Right. Yeah. So number five on my list for breakup songs is the classic Damn It by Blink-182. So this one is just like, I think Blink-182, and they've, they've admitted it, they sort of like write like nursery rhyme like punk pop songs. Like it's this just so easy to sing along to. And one of the reasons I like Damn It, which was their like first real like, I think, like breakout single, um, which a lot of people like think is called I guess this is growing up because <laughs> they like say, well, I guess this is growing up over and over and over again. And the song is about how they're like so adolescent in their like relationship skills. And they know that like the singer Mark like knows that he messed up and he's a bad boyfriend and he's just sort of like waiting for his girlfriend to break up with him. Uh, and he also just like wants to talk to his friend Tom, the other guy in the band, about what went on. And Tom is the one who like really knows him deeply and his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend doesn't really know him. So it also feels kind of like adolescent and like you're dating somebody and then you break up and you're just like, I got to talk to my friend about this who like sees through the master plan and knows who I really am. But when it comes down to it, he says, he sings, but everybody's gone and I've been here for too long to face this on my own. Well, I guess this is growing up. And so it's sort of like this sweet reframe of like, 
I'm going through this pain. I also feel incredibly lonely and maybe even my friend can't be there for me. And this is like, I'm growing up, I'm evolving, I'm becoming stronger. I'm learning what it is to like get through hard times and go through breakups. And there's also that part where like, where they sing and maybe I'll see you at a movie sneak preview. You'll show up and walk by on the arm of that guy and I'll smile and you'll wave and we'll pretend it's okay. The charade, it won't last when he's gone. I won't come back. So it's just like (laughs) the, that feeling of like in high school being like, oh, we hang out at the same fucking place. We're going to run into each other. I'm going to try to act as cool as I possibly can. You're going to see me you're going to want to be with me and I'm, but I'm not coming back but it's like oh my god Mark you want him, you want her so bad you're still not over <laughs> this is like ridiculous you know what I mean so it feels very high yeah. school and I love that vibe also just that like whole scenario of like going to the movies with your friends and like mm. seeing your mm-hmm. just recently broken up with girlfriend boyfriend whatever <sighs> yes. and like feeling it so strong like no like being totally heartbroken and just wanting to cry in front of all your friends at the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the worst part, or one of the worst parts about that is in high school, like your ex is probably dating somebody you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so like there's mm-hmm. also that like sort of like everybody knows each other and now you know the two people that are together and you can't just like never see them again because you're all so intimately connected every day at school. It's so painful. Yeah. I like that. I like that this is a high school song, but a lot of these, I mean, you still have these fantasies as an adult, like they call it the glow up, right? Where you have this, suddenly you're hot to trot, you're over this person and you just, you secretly wish they, you know, see you Mm -hmm. glowing and shining and then feel kind of like, hmm, look what I could add. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that's my that's my number five, and that's a song maybe I've listened to more than any other song ever. Like, oh, wow. it was I started listening to it in high school, and I have not stopped listening to it. And it's the only song I know how to play on the ukulele. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Do we have any of those in the store today? <laughs> <laughs> we don't. That could have been a high five first, a live performance oh, from our guests. I, know. Yeah. I should have brought mine into the store. Maybe next time. Yeah. Can the dog fetch it? Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, number four, though, was like my the, the one maybe song that never got played on the radio, but it is a very radio-friendly band, and that is Weezer. But it's off their, you know, uh, cool album, Pinkerton. The best Weezer album. <laughs> Which could be, we could argue, is the best Weezer. I think a true Weezer fan thinks that Pinkerton is the best album. And the song that I'm talking about today is called Why Bother. Why bother? It's gonna hurt me. It's gonna kill when you desert me. This happened to me twice before. It won't happen to me anymore. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. So why bother? It's going to hurt me. It's going to kill when you desert me, Um, which feels appropriate. It feels like it's the appropriate song to come on after the after Damn It, Blink-182 song, because you're just sort of like maybe thinking about getting out there, but you're still just insanely hurt. And you start to think that like everybody is going to let you down. So why even try? And Weezer and Rivers Cuomo, especially like on Pinkerton, he is so emotional like he had he is at his most emotional on this album and it was a shame that like it wasn't received right in like a 
a critically acclaimed way or in a popular way, even by his fans, because it seemed like a, a departure from the Blue Album to go from like Blue Album to Pinkerton. Like Rivers was really depressed and it came through in all of these songs. And every time after a breakup, I will spend way too long listening to this song because I'm just like, every relationship ends in heartbreak. Why would I ever want to get in a relationship again? Like, and I swear off relationships forever and it feels very true to me. And this is my anthem. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, he says that, that, you know, Pinkerton wasn't worth a shit. He's a bad songwriter, blah, 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 whatever. But of course, the true fans love it the most. But then what the heck happened with everything else? <laughs> I actually feel like I've heard you talk about the other albums as well. Maybe the green, the red, da, da, da. I, I feel like, yeah. So I love all the other albums. I'm like, I'm, I'm a, like, I don't like those Weezer fans who are like, I'm a true Weezer fan and I only like the Blue <laughs> and Pinkerton albums. Like, actually, no, you're not a Weezer fan if you only like right. two of their albums because they've made like 14 others. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And Rivers is just like a really good, he's a really, he's really good at like writing hooks. And I love a hooky song. Um, And Rivers has talked about how like when he made the Blue Album, that was a certain vibe. And then he made like Pinkerton, but everybody compares everything to the Blue Album. And he was just like, I was a baby. I was a baby that made a record at 22 years old. Now everybody's just like, I wish you were 22 years old again, making that, you know, (laughs) making that art from 30 years ago or something. And he's like, every album I made was just a different vibe, you know? And I just wanted to kind of like make all these different records. So I'm, I'm, one of those Weezer fans that actually loves all of their other albums and they did this really cool thing this year where they like release a new EP for every season of the year starting with oh. like winter and then fall and summer and or no winter fall summer spring whatever however the <laughs> whatever order seasons go in and it was really fun to like see them release all of these albums and they and they did it in this way where like the first album that they released at the beginning of the year was sounded like the beginning of the 90s and then it kind of like continued on to be like the next few years of the 90s next few years and the last part of the 90s um so rivers is still stuck in the 90s just like me and his music sounds like it I am too. I talk all the time about how I'm in my dad era, but my dad era is kind of the sequel to my 90s resurgence era where I pretty much only was listening to 90s like all last year Mm -hmm. and maybe even the year before that. I also had a Twitch stream where I was playing 90s records and had trivia and all this stuff. But now I'm in my dad era, which is like 70s rock. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they they did kind of even like a sort of maybe as a more 80s vibe. Can't remember what it's called. It wasn't bad. It was like something to do with like playing music on a tape. There's just, there's a, such a huge Weezer catalog now, like yeah. hundreds of songs. So it's hard to remember which specific one sometimes. A hero? Well, so no. it might be the, yeah, the, they, the like hero I think is off of their, what is it called? Like It's all my favorite songs. Oh, all my favorite songs. Yeah. That's off a recent album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Human. Okay. Yes. Human. Yeah. 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 And they actually played that whole album on YouTube to like an orchestra. And so if you like just go to YouTube and Google like, okay, human orchestra, you'll see just, you'll see them perform the whole thing and it's beautiful and really sweet. Um, And he's being like very adventurous in like what he's doing with the music. Yeah. Rivers, Rivers is a sweetie and I love him. 
And Brian Bell is pretty great to look at. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) I'm curious though, why do some so-called Weezer purists only listen to those two albums? I mean, those two albums, yeah, those two albums are really good. Um, They're sort of like perfectly crafted pop. They're also like very, especially the Pinkerton album is like very emotional where he's like really putting himself out there. All the other albums you might argue are just sort of like him playing around. Like maybe it's like missing, missing his soul. He's not being like as vulnerable. And there was a time where he was writing songs based on like a spreadsheet that he kept where he just sort of like put a bunch of lyrics on a spreadsheet and then try to like put them together so that they kind of fit. And it was just like, uh, like you're lacking the magic and the emotion and the vulnerability Mm. that came with the first two albums. And I don't know, I think like a lot of us listen to those two albums when we were young in very impressionable impressionable ages and it just sort of stuck with it. Yeah. I see. I was trying to think of another legendary artist to maybe compare it to, but I... I couldn't on the fly. All I thought of was like, it's like if you say you like Elton John, but you only listen to Madman Across the Water album or whatever it's called, mm. or Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, maybe mm. that one mm-hmm. would be a better example. Um, but nothing else, I don't know. But he has like a million other albums. I don't know. It, it, it could have been, yeah. you could have like compared them maybe to Green Day, but Green Day like had that huge resurgence right. with the their rock opera, um, the yeah, American Idiot. Uh, yeah. yeah, but there's there probably are some Green Day purists that only listen to like the first couple <laughs> albums. Or, and Dookie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's me. Sorry. <laughs> I love you, Florida. <laughs> um, so my third song, such a classic, is by No Doubt, and it's Don't Speak. Don't speak. No. And the and it's like such a sweet song, such a sweet sad song that's based on the relationship between like her and the bassist. What's his name? Tony. Tony. Yeah, and how they were in a relationship for seven years, and then they broke up right before Tragic Kingdom, with this that the song is on, and then they toured for like twenty months or something when they uh, released Tragic Kingdom, and Tony was just like, maybe, maybe I won't go on the tour um, because there were there was so much pain there, and then they were. In interviewed afterwards and they both said it was brutal like that was like one of the most difficult times in both of their lives to be broken up and to be playing together and also like specifically be singing this song and 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 Gwen is just sort of like she doesn't want to this is the song I listen to when I don't want to admit <laughs> what's going on where she's sort of like I don't want to hear she doesn't want to hear Tony's like true feelings um, mm-hmm. that's sort of like the premise of the song like don't speak don't tell me how you truly feel um, Gwen would like much rather like clearly like continue to indulge and in they're like in the idealistic like fantasy than face the reality of the broken relationship and she you know there's that one line like you and me I can see us dying are we and it's just like uh she's like going on this like journey like oh are we really dying and then she goes on to say don't speak I know just what you're saying so please stop explaining don't tell me because it hurts no 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 don't speak I know what you're thinking 
asking and I don't need your reasons. Don't tell me because it hurts. And then it's all ending. I got to stop pretending who we are, which then like kind of like wraps it into this like acceptance place of like, I see what's going on um, and I'm just going to have to accept it. And so there's some sort of like therapeutic, cathartic moment for me when I listen to the song of like, I don't want to hear this, but I really just need to accept it, um, which is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one. I dated the same guy from like elementary school to high school, basically. And then when, as we were getting older, it was kind of one of those moments where it's like, I was listening to that song a lot. Um, and then later on, more in college, late 90s, she also had ex-girlfriend. <laughs> that, the breakup moment. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> she's a star, yes. yeah. And she's just like, she knows how to nail it emotionally. Like you, mm-hmm. you feel it when she's singing it. You can't not. So it's just, it feels so powerful and you're kind of like going on that journey with her. And Gwen was my first real like celebrity crush. It was like Gwen Stefani and Shirley Manson from Garbage. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I was obsessed. I had like, I cut out magazine clippings of like pictures of Gwen and I'd put it on my wall. I was so, so in love with Gwen and I'm still very much in love with Gwen. Actually, I I had a girlfriend. Her name was Marissa. This was back like in 2000 or 2001. And this is right around the time that Gwen was dating dreamboat Gavin Rosdale from Bush. Um, (laughs) And my girlfriend ran into Gwen and Gavin at like some vintage store and Mm. took a picture with them because she was just like, my boyfriend is obsessed with you too. And he needs to see this. (laughs) And I still have that picture. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. I was obsessed with her also, just as a young woman. And Just a Girl, I felt like, was such an empowering song. Mm-hmm. I have three brothers. I felt like, like all my friends were guys, and I just felt like this, you know, no one no one sees things the way I do, you know. Mm-hmm. I've had it up to here, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, she's great. I loved them, like, I love their early albums. I don't feel like their early albums get enough. Mm enough shine like they're trapped in a box like their ska days and everything I really was obsessed with no doubt um and I love that she like sparked this cosmetic braces fad too (laughs) people were just getting braces just to have them because she did (laughs) yes how cool yeah uh she was very stylish and I definitely wanted to dye my hair pink when she also did that whole like braces thing return to Saturn (laughs) that record is so good Mm. simple Mm -hmm. kind of life Mm -hmm. gosh I love that song so much Okay, so number two on the list is Third Eye Blinds, How's It Going to Be? I wonder how it's going to be when you don't know me. How's it going to be when you're so I'm not there? Now, that album, the self-titled Third Eye Blind album, is perfection. I'm not sure there's like a more perfect album to me. Every song is a banger. Like it is so, so good. And I just recently saw Third Eye Blind um, come through uh, Portland and they played at like this huge, uh, like sort of like outside lawn kind of venue. And I decided to go see Third Eye Blind just by myself. It was just me and Third Eye Blind. I was just going to like have a moment (laughs) 
with them. Uh, and so I go and I sit on the lawn and I find a spot and I'm just, I'm, I'm like kind of like waiting for the concert to start. And then this young woman is just like walking in and she like sits right in front of me on the lawn and she turns around and she doesn't say anything. And she just like recognizes me, looks into my eyes and crawls over and just gives me the biggest hug. <laughs> And I was like, oh, do you know who I am? And she's like, of course I know who you are. She's like, I live, she's like, I live in LA and I broke up with my boyfriend because I kept on seeing your videos about what a healthy relationship was. And she was like, Therapy Jeff would want me to break up with my boyfriend. And it was so painful. And I just needed to get out of LA. So I started driving north. And then I stopped in Portland, never been in Portland before. And then I saw Third Eye Blind, the one of the best breakup bands, is playing in Portland. So I'm just gonna like get a ticket and go and I sit down and I turn around and I see you. She's like, this is a sign. You're my sign. Oh my like, gosh. this was the right decision. And I was like, I am your sign. Uh, yes. <laughs> and she said, That's and she said, what is your favorite Third Eye Blind song? I was like, oh, it's how's it going to be? And she's like, that is mine. And Third Eye Blind played the song as their very last song of the encore. And it was like this magical moment that we had together. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so sweet and it was so lovely and it was just so emotional. And wow. yeah, so this song has always been special ever since I heard it in the 90s. But I, like, I got another like special moment just over the summer. Stephen Jenkins is just like such a drama queen. And he's very unlikable, I think, but he like knows how to write a song. And this is like one of the best breakup songs because uh, it's kind of like he he clearly he's like pondering what the future will be like when all the remnants of him have sort of like been erased from his like lover's memory and he no longer exists as like part of their memory. He's just like, how's it going to be when you can't remember me anymore? Like, like maybe like doesn't believe that she can forget about him or she, he's sort of like threatening her. There's like this fits of like rage, like kind of like supplant, like the light, more lighthearted sort of like times he's talking about. And he like openly expresses his like regrets and wishes that he could be with her again and compares the regret, like the abandonment to like a soft dive of oblivion. <laughs> um, and he feels numb, but he feels overwhelmed. And he's like, and so like one of my favorite lyrics is, I wonder how it's going to be when you don't know me. How's it going to be when you're sure I'm not there? How's it going to be when there's no one there to talk to between you and me? Because I don't care. How's it going to be? How's it? And it's just like, you fucking care, you fucking turd. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're such you're such an asshole. Uh, but like, but we can all like. There's that turd is in all of us of just like you know. I don't really care about how you're going to feel or how I'm going to feel. He's just such a dick. Um, yeah, <laughs> give me my money back. <laughs> give me exactly. Uh, but he so obviously cares, and that really does come through in the song. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's one of those that's like the Oasis Brothers. Let's mm. just be honest. I was going to say one of them, but let's just say both because it's true. They kind of have this narcissistic rock and roll star mm -hmm. thing about them, but they are great songwriters. Mm -hmm. um, and same with like Morrissey. Spoiler alert that that song, The More You Ignore Me by Morrissey is on my shortlist. I could never put Morrissey like in the top five just because he's a piece of shit. But like <laughs> he writes such good songs. Ah, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get Bless that. Bless him. 
Okay. So my number one, um, which I feel like I told all my friends about like, this is going to be my number one song. And they're all just like, oh God, that's so extra. But like, I, I think it's like a true number one and it's lovely, but it might be kind of polarizing for some people. Although I don't think it should be. I think that my friends are Portland snobs and that's why they reacted the way that they reacted. <laughs> but my number one is Alanis Morissette, You Ought to Know. Give her her flowers. <laughs> I mean, you have to. Dave Collier, come on. Right. Cut it out. Oh, God. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it had to be on somebody's <laughs> list. <laughs> Are you two fans of this song? Like, what's your, like, emotional reaction to it? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not a hater. Look, Alanis, she was the voice of my my youth, my coming of age just all the angst, all the rage. I adore her. Yeah. Yeah. Without shame. Mm -hmm. Same. I mean, I, I think, I don't know. Why does she have, is it because she just had these massive radio hits that people have this kind of like thing with her? Because I listen to that record now. I mean, I don't listen to it often because I wore it out when I was a teenager, but like all of the songs are are so good. One hand in my pocket and mm. the other one uh, giving a peace sign. Or what's... Mm-hmm. There was one that I was thinking for this list. Is it, are you still mad? Because that was on my list. No, not that one. But that's a good one too. Uh, it was You Learn. Oh. You Learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. She's great. <clears throat> she's great. She doesn't get enough hype, to be honest, I think, these days. Because there's even that one video where she's standing naked in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And everyone, I think, at that point of her, her career were kind of saying things about her weight. Mm-hmm. But, like, she looks n- totally normal, you know. And uh, I forget even the name of that one, but... Thank you. Thank you. That's right. I think she's saying Mm -hmm. like, thank you, you know, Mm -hmm. for giving her that body that she has. Thank you for letting her appreciate it. Thank you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for even putting her against um, these trials and tribulations to question. Mm -hmm. I think she's a brilliant songwriter and powerful singer. So, yeah. She fucking rocks. Good. We all agree. And the that the first line to like you ought to know is just so burned into our brains of like the I want you to know that I'm yes. happy for you and I wish nothing <laughs> but the best for you both. And it's just like, do you really wish nothing but the best for you both? Like, or are you just like, fuck you? Like <laughs> Um, it's so passive aggressive and sarcastic that line so it could mean just like screw you guys or I really do hope that your relationship doesn't fail like there's like uh, there's just so much in there and then another line of because the love that you gave that we made wasn't able to make it enough for you to be open wide now there's just sort of like I gave so much and it wasn't enough for you and I'm here to remind you of the mess you left when you went away so like you're not taking accountability. You're, you know, you're just sort of like, you're such a messy mm-hmm. turd. Like there's just, uh, there's so much like anger there. 
and just like I wasn't like I was I wasn't left unscarred by leaving and I was like broken and you didn't care you know like how could you do like I had a real difficult emotional experience and now you're like moving on with somebody else is she as good as me would she be like as wild as me you know um so and are you thinking of me when you right exactly yeah. mhm oh god it's so good so good. It is really yeah. good. I like too that like I feel like often women are expected to just sort of like crawl mm. away with their tail between their legs and lick their wounds quietly in the corner. And I like that she mm-hmm. was like, bitch mm-hmm. now, I'm gonna make noise. <laughs> I'm going to make you see and acknowledge this mess and your part in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As breakup songs go, that's that's totally the vibe. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I am not gonna diminish, you know, I'm going to get bigger. You're going to witness mm-hmm. this, right? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Do you do either of you remember Alanis from um, You Can't Do That on Television way back <laughs> in the do, day? I do. Yes. I do. I watched that all the time. Okay, mm-hmm. good. I did too. That was like my favorite show as a kid. So I was like floored by the transformation when she came out with this song. I was like, that's the same kid with like who had the little pixie cut mm-hmm. and who was avoiding the slime. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's great. And I also love that Taylor Hawkins was her drummer for the yeah. tour. Um of the of that you know huge album, so he's in the video for that song too. Mm, mm-hmm. Playing drums, yeah. yeah. So that's my top five. Such a good list. Thanks. Awesome. Epic. <laughs> well done. Thank you, well thank done. You. Yeah, and no overlap yet. No, none. Yeah, impressive. This is this is. I'm so excited to hear yours now, Natalie. <laughs> okay, well we're going full on radio friendly okay. now, so <laughs> going to complete the circle here. All right. So, I don't know. I don't have a huge bank of breakup songs, um, but but I've managed to put together a few that I particularly enjoy. We're going to start with number five, Caught Out There by Khalees from 1999. Oh, I don't know that one. I don't think I know that one either. So we all know Khalees from, you know, Milkshake fame, but uh, Caught Out There was her debut single from her debut album, Kaleidoscope. She was only 19 years old. Um, yeah, this the song is like ideal for the rage portion of the breakup process. This would be perfect to play like, you know, right after the Alanis Morissette. Oh, wait, is that the one where she's like, I hate you so much right now? Yep. Yes. Yep. That's I the one. That. Okay. She's like, I hate you so much now. And then she's just screaming, you know, which I think it makes for quite a catchy hook. It 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 was perfect. Um, yeah. And I think I picked Khalees too because she was definitely like her and Macy Gray mm-hmm. and a few other artists, they definitely carved out this niche where they were considered alternative R and B hip hop, the thing that was that really blew up in the in the nineties, mm-hmm. I think. Definitely. Um yeah. And she was really cool and quirky and kind of punk. She had like the pink eyebrows and the rainbow colored hair. I just loved her. She was great. Um, another fun fact about this track, uh, this Neptune's produced track was that it was originally meant for Busta Rhymes, but he passed on it. And I think you can definitely kind of oh. hear oh. like how his voice could have laid on it a bit. Whoa. But, um, yeah. But at, around the same time, he was going for the going to make your body wet with Janet Jackson, which is a totally different vibe. That was a good call. I hate you so much good, right now. Yeah. Good business move for sure. Yeah, taking that track. What is, so what is Busta Rhymes up to these days? 
Do we know? Still busting on. So. Still busting. Yeah, he's still doing it. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Also, there's um, when Beyonce put out that new record this year, um, there was a whole lot of drama around because she used a sample, a Khalees sample. Right. And I guess it brought up a lot of just turmoil with Khalees because she was so young. She didn't know the deal she was getting herself signed into with working with the yeah, Neptunes yeah. folks. Mm. Definitely a cautionary tale. Yeah. For music business. Yeah. But she's good now. She's like, she went to culinary school and she lives on a farm and she's like, she's got this like neat, you know, natural organic life. Yeah. She had to break up with Nas <laughs> so she could move on. <laughs> yeah. And girlfriend is thriving. I, I love, I love her life and her family and her farm and her animals. Mm. And I'm like, I want to go to there. <laughs> yeah. She's cool. I love it. All right. Number four. Five Years by Björk from 1997. So this is less radio friendly. I don't think I didn't hear this on the radio, but this is from her Homogenic album, which on some days is my favorite Björk album. And I feel like this song is underrated in general, but it's certainly underrated as a breakup song. Um, She starts off by singing... You think you're denying denying me of something. Well, I've got plenty. You're the one who's missing out, but you won't notice. Till after five years, if you'll live that long, you'll wake up all loveless. Like that alone is such a read, honey. Yeah, you know? if you'll even live that long. <laughs> right. Shade, you know? That is brutal. Um, it's such a great condemnation. Yeah, it's such a great condemnation of someone who's like too emotionally immature, or just too chicken shit to show up for true love, mm-hmm. you know? And if I were the type to wallow after a breakup, which I'm decidedly not, because when I break, I break. Um, the sentiment in this song is like totally my vibe. Oh, you know? interesting. <laughs> so if you were someone that kind of like had like a long, sad sort of breakup process, this is how you would feel? This would be a good representation of it? Yeah. Yeah, this would be how I would feel. Um, and like, what was the other song you mentioned in your list? Oh, great. My brain is just broken. <laughs> but yeah, songs where you're like... Why bother? I'm good. You're a mess. Yeah, yeah. Like calling people out. I love it when she says, I dare you to take me on. She's issuing this challenge. Like who can who can deal with being called out like that? I'm sure most people would rather be dared to bungee jump or something <laughs> than to like really show up and be available mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. love. You Do know? you ever think about like so. the people like who is this person <laughs> that has to live with this song? Like the, a song was written yeah. about them in such a fierce kind of way. And are they like thinking about, is the song like defined? Like how did it affect their life? Like I'm I'm not trying to have sympathy for this person. They sound horrible, but. Yeah, screw them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the rumor, rumor has it that the song is about Goldie, whom she dated briefly after Tricky. That's just, I don't know if that's been confirmed or not, Mm -hmm. but you know. Yeah, because hearkening yeah. back to my list, they like Dave Collier gets asked all the time <laughs> about that Atlanta yeah. song. And if you have a big enough hit, you're just like not going to live it down. And you know what? There's consequences for your behavior. You should have thought about that, I guess. So I love that for him. <laughs> he should never live yeah, that down. <laughs> exactly. A full house fame. To have full house be like your big thing, but nope, then you have. You ought to know, eat yeah. it out as the thing you're known for. It's hysterical <laughs> yeah. to me. This whole Bjork album has a lot of kind of just like badass 
bitch songs on it in a way, um, like kind of mm-hmm. that same vibe because you think of like alarm call. This is a, mm-hmm. an alarm call, so you, so you better wake up mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Or um, I'm the hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not messing around on that album. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, Bachelorette, yeah. newly single. I would always yeah. like, yeah. I, w- I crushed on every girl in school that was in love with Bjork. Like it was just sort of like, well, she she's punk rock. Like you're like a cool person that knows what's up if you're into Bjork. And but like it it also like felt like inaccessible to me as well because it was just like it, it felt like it was just too, I don't know, foreign, I guess, or just like too for like it was like um, I like really wanted to be into it, but for some reason it didn't hook me, but I respected everybody else that was really into Bjork. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never heard that mm-hmm. before. Yeah, no, I definitely, I fell in love with her immediately. Yeah. Me too, but it did only get worse. The whole like, maybe I don't get this thing because it, it just got <laughs> even weirder yeah. from there. Uh-huh. She she took a few pivots here and there, but that's cool. I love her for it. Yeah. I'm still with her. Me too. Mm-hmm. All right, number three, Black by Pearl Jam from oh 1991. Okay, this one is the best one of all the breakup songs on everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> How did I not think of that one? It's so good. Sis. Holy crap. Okay. So Black, this is from their debut album, 10. And I got to say, this song didn't really hit me until I heard the Unplugged version. Like their Unplugged was just incredible. Um, and when they sang this song, I was just completely floored. The lyrics of this song are absolutely perfect. Gorgeous. Yeah. Although I got I to gotta expose myself here. I don't think I really knew the, ly- the lyrics for a few years because I'd gotten used to just like mimicking Eddie Vedder's grunting. <laughs> so I would just be like... Oh, what was everything? I was just saying like that, and I had no clue what he was actually saying. But then I went back and read the lyrics. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Um, in the documentary Pearl Jam 20, Vetter says, it's about first relationships. The song is about letting go. It's very rare for a relationship to withstand the Earth's gravitational pull and where it's going to take people and how they're going to grow. I've heard it said that you can't really have a true love unless it was a love unrequited. It's a harsh one because then your truest one is the one you can't have forever. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That man can write. Ugh. I tell you. Yeah. I- can we just say the one lyric that's just like the gut-wrenching kicker of the whole dang song? At the end, I know what you're yes. going to say. Say it, do it. I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. But why, why can't it be mine? Ugh. It's just heartbreaking. Uh, this, was, this was one of those, out, like, this was one of the first albums I ever bought that I had to save up for. And I only bought it because I only knew about Jeremy. That was their first single, or that was, yeah, the single that I heard about. That was, you know, that was the video on MTV um, where I was praying for more good songs. And I think this album 
delivered. <laughs> it wasn't just Jeremy that was like the one oh, good yeah. song. It was like had like the most good songs to not good songs. Like almost every right. single one of these songs was good. And I was like, I got my money's worth so much. Like the sunk cost. So I'm still getting something from it today. I actually, so do you two listen to that um, podcast? Um, what is it? 60 songs that explain the 90s? Yes, I love that one. Because I feel like I would have hung out with Rob like in high school. Oh my God, yeah, I love Rob, Rob Harvilla. He would have been in my friend group. Oh God, yeah. yeah. And he just they, he just did um, one of the episodes about Pearl Jam and, a, and one of the songs, which was, oh, I think it was... Even Flow, I think, was the song that he talks about. Oh, <clears throat> and they talked about the Jeremy video. And I didn't know this, and maybe you two know this, but like, remember, you remember the Jeremy video, right? And how yeah. Oh, yeah. at the end, the very last scene is like all the, like a shot of the classroom of the kids, and they all had blood on on them and you didn't know like mm-hmm. what was going on and i assumed that jeremy did a school shooting and like did a school shooting on his classmates but that isn't what happened and mtv took out one of the scenes that explains what happened jeremy himself, yeah right? jeremy went to school and he like put a yes. gun in his mouth and then it, so it's about, you know, suicide. But I had no idea that it was about suicide. And I thought that he, like, went and, like, shot all of his classmates. Either way, it's disturbing. <laughs> but it feels like a real, I don't know, miss on, like, MTV's part to, like, do that and have us think that way, possibly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that came right. before That was before Columbine. Columbine. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think like, I will say this because I recently watched the video and I think I saw it before they censored it on Mm. MTV. So I think I, I think I knew about the ending, but the version they have on like Mm -hmm. YouTube now shows the original video. Mm. Yeah. Which I think is important. It has a warning at the front. Disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. But it does show the whole video. Yeah. Uh, But black. Yeah. Oh my God. Such an amazing song. So, so, so good. Love that pick. Such a good choice. Wait, what number was that? That's my number two. Wait, mm-hmm. my number three. You know How me, Tara. Mine are just kind of all over even the place. Even higher from that. I'm <laughs> okay. Okay. I like that you like that pick. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> We're going back to the world of alternative R&B hip hop here for number two. I Die Without You, PM Dawn, oh. 1992. <laughs> oh. Is it my turn to wish you were lying in? So this song first appeared on the Boomerang soundtrack, huge film, like insane star-studded cast, Eddie Murphy, Robin Givens, Halle Berry, Grace Jones, Eartha Kitt, Chris Rock, just and more. Everyone was in that movie. I had that scene. And the song, yeah, and the song plays at the major aha moment of the film when Eddie's character realizes that he's like really in love and can't live without this woman. Um, And the emotional weight of that scene with that music was just chef's kiss, right? (laughs) And then it appeared on their the Bliss album in 93. So I I was a child when this came out, so I didn't like know much about love, but even still, it gave me such intense feels that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. It was like so pretty, but it was kind of (laughs) sad. And I I recall being like so confused about it, you know? And then like in high school, it was definitely one of those songs 
that you throw on when you and your crush of the month <laughs> don't work out or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just had such a good melancholy feel. So good. I love really beautiful. R.I.P. Prince B. Mm. Really pretty. And I think it was cool. Like, you know, PM Dawn being considered like alternative hip hop or whatever is fun because at the time what we were like in peak peak gangster rap era. Yeah. <laughs> and here you come, you have these dudes who are doing like, pretty rap songs like what in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> so i really liked him my high school boyfriend dedicated on the radio uh the song patient eyes to me pm dawn patient eyes <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. that is some real romance and oh, yeah. 90s right memory there. right there <laughs> <laughs> that's really i miss those dedications i don't know where that happens anymore yeah do you remember mixtapes did you make mixtapes oh for God. your oh yeah significant others yeah. that was I yeah. love that. That was like the beginning of my DJ career is making <laughs> mixtapes and recording songs from the radio. Yeah, love mixtapes. And aren't Mixed like cassettes are coming back. There's like a resurgence of like people buying cassettes now. Um, which feels like a real throwback. But I think there's a there's a pushback against it just because it feels like a real environmental waste or something. But mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Yeah. holding that tape. You know, oh, there's also like not to go off on too much of a tangent, but they, but Rob Harvilla talks about this in the <laughs> podcast episode with Pearl Jam about how when you like would listen to a tape and you'd put it on, and if you wanted to like go back to the beginning of the track, there was like a real like art <laughs> and science of like trying to rewind just enough to like go back to that same track, and yeah. then from the tape right. jumping like the technological jump from a tape to a CD where you just have to like hit the button to go back. Personally, like, they don't talk about this on that podcast episode, but personally, I think that's like the biggest technological jump we've ever experienced (laughs) 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 to go from just like trying to rewind back, which never works, to just hitting a button on the CD player to go back. Like that changed my life. And I don't think that I've ever experienced any, you, you couldn't name a technological jump that I think would like match that. So we just like... I want to give the CD, the disc man, the CD player yeah. some praise. The props. Yeah. That's uh-huh. pretty legit. That and like the repeat one song button <laughs> yes. setting. Yeah. That too. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> so good. That's funny. Yeah. But how, like tapes, cause singles, how are they so much cheaper than just like a regular full length album cassette? Because it's like the same <laughs> amount of plastic except for the actual tape. True that. But it's like a dollar ninety nine or something. A dollar right. a single. Yeah. Same for CD single. You get a whole album for like fifteen dollars versus a CD single, which is the same amount of plastic <laughs> and a disc, but with just one song on it or two. Yes, very yeah. unfair. Doesn't make it I unfair. Don't know, capitalism, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The final song in my list of breakup songs is Tyrone by Erica Badu from 1997. So this... Yeah, right. This song was recorded live during a concert in 97. And let me just say right here, like Erica Badu live 
is a whole experience. I couldn't listen to her studio album for a long time after seeing this show because she's just so exceptional on stage. And that particular live album went double platinum. What's wild about this song is that it was completely freestyled. Like Badu talks about it kind of just happening on the fly. You know, she gives the nod to her band, makes eyes with the backup singers or like, we gonna do this? Yeah, okay, let's do it. And boom. And it was on the radio the next day. That's how big it was. so unfair that like that talent is so unfair, (laughs) you know? Like I know that there's like no way that I could ever come close. I'm like, it's like the technological jump from tape to CD is like me to her. Like there's no way. (laughs) Uh, So amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's so cool. And like freestyling it and to have that killer punchline at the end, you know? Like, I mean, she's laying dude out left and right the whole song. And she still saves that final KO, but you can't use my phone. (laughs) And then the crowd just goes wild. It's like such a moment, such a moment. Um, Coincidentally, it seems that Erica Badu has broken up with the song. She says, it's like an ex-boyfriend who won't stop following me. And it's a blessing at the same time because it's an anthem. And it truly is. Why? Why does she have to break up with that song? I'm sure she's probably performed it a gazillion times and she's just moved on. You know, it's it's fair. She has artistic license to grow and evolve and move on from stuff, you know. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that one is such a good one. Yeah. All right, that's it. Good. We did it. I loved it. It was perfect. Yeah, so good. That was fun. Mm-hmm. So good. Really good picks. Should we go through our honorable mentions? Sure. Natalie, what's what's on your short list? Okay, so I had a divorce song from Liz Fair. I had Are You Still Mad from Alanis. I had like five Portishead songs because they're all (laughs) kind of breakup (laughs) appropriate songs just in vibe alone. Glory Box, Seven Months, Sour Times. I had um, Found Out About You from the Gin Blossoms, which I was oddly obsessed with. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. I had Don't Speak. I no doubt Juliana Hatfield. Everybody loves me, but you. I had Lauren Hill, X Factor, mm-hmm. uh, Sophie B. Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Damn, I wish I was your lover. The most unrequited love story there ever was. <laughs> Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Cheryl Crow, my favorite mistake. Uh, Gin Blossoms, Hey Jealousy. The Boo Radleys, There She Goes. I have a really long list. I <laughs> had to whittle it down. What do you have nice. on your short list, Jeff? I, you know, I tried to make a long December by counting crows work. Um, and it's kind of like uh, break up y, but it also just feels like just the sads that you get in <laughs> December. Um, I had Stay by Lisa Loeb. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of those lyrics are just sort of gibberishy, but you like know what they mean. You get it in your right. heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Lost Cause by Beck. Or was that the 90s? Oh, I think those 2000s. No, those man. 2000s. Yeah. So good thing what it didn't make the list. Song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that song makes me so sad. Oh, my God. So fucking depressing. It's so depressing. And then um, Motorcycle Drive-By by Third Eye Blind, particularly because, and it's off that same album from How's It Gonna Be, but Motorcycle Drive-By has what I think is maybe the number one lyric uh, of a breakup song, which is, I've never been so alone and I've never been so alive. 
<laughs> so it's just sort of like, I don't know. I don't know if any other lyric does it for me. Like that just like hits where like I feel so alone, but it is just like the pain makes me feel so incredibly alive. And he just like sings that over and over and over again. And it's kind of heartbreaking. Mm. So those are my honorable mentions. It's so good. Mm-hmm. This is a great hi-fi game. Mm-hmm. All these songs are excellent. Mm-hmm. I'm also so glad you came all the way from Portland to visit us in the store. <laughs> Since you're here. I'm sure it was worth the flight. <laughs> yeah. <It was. laughs> Since you came all the way here, you might as well act as an honorary employee of the store and help us stock the recommendation shelf. Mm-hmm. What What would you like to add to our shelf? Um, you know, I, I guess this is, I thought about this while we were all talking Um I think that what should be added is the Alanis Morissette documentary on HBO Max oh. called Jagged, where she talks about the Jagged, uh, the, the tour and the album and everything that like went into it and then her life afterwards. Um, it's just like a very intimate conversation with Alanis and it sort of like reminds you of just not if you not that you like need the reminder, but it like it reminds you of like just how brilliant she is. Um, so I'd recommend you put that on uh, in That's the store. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know there was a documentary for Alanis. Yeah, it just came out like last year. It's great. What about you, Natalie? Do you have anything for the recommendation shelf? Sure. Um, I have an audiobook. I haven't actually listened to it yet, but I'm sure it's great. It's called Anatomy of 55 More Songs by Mark Myers. Ooh. And um, it's about, it's based on uh, his column for the Wall Street Journal. And he kind of gives the story behind 55 rock, pop, R&B, country, and soul gospel hits through like inter- intimate interviews with the artists who wrote and record them and just talking about their impact on uh, culture. Yeah. Cool. I'm also going to recommend an audiobook. That's just been how I've been consuming books lately, especially when the author reads them and it's like a memoir or whatever. I love memoirs. Um, you can hear them, the, the author getting emotional in certain parts, but this book is called Shine Bright, a very personal history of black women in pop. And the author is Daniel Smith. She has interviewed mega celebrities over her career, Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, Beyonce, Gladys Knight. And she just has, you know, she ties her own experiences to the music that she listened to growing up and just talks about a lot of things that black women in music have kind of had to go through. I really enjoyed it and I learned a lot. Like, for example... The song, you know, that song in Dirty Dancing where they're like, Sylvia, yes, Mickey, how do you call your lover boy? That <laughs> Sylvia and her husband started Sugar Hill Records, so basically in, basically invented Sugar Hill Gang. I had no, de- no idea wow. it was the same, same person. Hmm. So cool. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Again, so glad you, you're hanging out with us in the store today. And Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. Everyone... In the store, please follow <laughs> Therapy Jeff on all the things because you will take things from it, even if you're not looking for a new relationship or if you feel like you're in a healthy one. There are other things mm-hmm. that are really helpful. And it's just interesting, too. Like, it's such great advice, and you give it in such a real, real life mm-hmm. way. Like, a, you just say it so matter of factly, like, mm-hmm. I just needed to hear that. 
you know, kind of, kind of a way. Yeah, I've been called um, <clears throat> a toxic validator. <laughs> so people are like, you're validating people's <laughs> emotional experience way too much. But that's kind of what I'm going for sometimes. It's just like, I see you, you're good. Like, I validate your emotional experience. You're not a burden or you're important or your needs need should be met. Um, so it's also trying to kind of like trying to uplift people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're human. You may not be perfect, but you're human and you're not alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for Give yourself some grace. Yeah. I loved being here and talking to you too. Yeah. Thank you. It was really fun. You're both great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, let's get out of here and go home. Okay. Bye. Yes. Bye. Bye, everybody. You've made it to the end. Now let's listen to what our friends have to say about what their favorite 90s alternative breakup songs are. Hi, Tara and Natalie. This is Mike from Tokyo. The best 90s breakup song, in my opinion, is Baby Blue by Fishman's. Thanks, bye. Kia ora. my name's John Paul, I'm from Aotearoa, New Zealand, Whanganui Atara, Wellington. I'm going to pick two songs, one local, one global. The local song is by a band called Headless Chickens. It was a number one briefly in New, in New Zealand in uh, 1994, I think. Um, and it is a song I feel like this couple have broken up and gone back together multiple times due to uh, very dark sexual impulses. And that song is called George. fantastic song. The global song I'm going to pick is um, Do You Love Me Now by The Breeders. That is like a post- breakup song, right? Regrets. People have broken up and they're thinking back on a relationship and thinking, do you love me now? Uh, A lot of regret in that song. I love the slow, sludgy beat and I love how in the beginning of the second verse they come in with the guitar just slightly off uh, and then how it sweetens at the end with that extra vocal coming in. So yeah, those would be my two uh, 90s breakup songs. Hi, my name's Dom. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. And my favourite breakup song of the 90s is Love Ridden by Fiona Apple. No, not baby anymore. If I need you, I'll just use your symbol. It's not a super snappy kind of breakup song. It's more of the things coming to a slow, anguishing end kind of breakup song. Her writing is amazing. Uh, I love the chorus to this song. There's so much emotion in it. I love her voice. I love Fiona Apple. She's just the best. Thanks for doing the podcast, Tara and Nat. And to everyone in this record store, happy holidays. 
Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.